Welcome back, guys. This is episode four of the Faithful Finance Podcast. On this episode, we have a special guest, Mr. Rod Newhouse, who is going to be discussing his philosophy on success to significance. Hope you guys are excited. It's going to be a good one. Let's jump into it. Thank you for having me here tonight on Faithful Finances. I'm excited to be here. My name is Rod Newhouse, Managing Principal of 44 Management. I worked in the front offices of the National Football League. I have a law degree, real estate broker's license, financial security licenses, insurance licenses, and just a wealth of knowledge. So uh, hopefully what we bring tonight is just some fun and excitement and uh, bring some new ideas to the table. That's exactly what I'm hoping for. Again, just to, to give the audience something to kind of noodle on and to add to their toolbox, just how to be good stewards of our finances. That's the ultimate goal. So with all your credentials and all your background, I I have no doubt that we're going to reach that goal. Rod is the money man. (laughs) (laughs) And so you, you are an accredited wealth management advisor. You work with pro athletes, entertainment professionals, and even regular regular folks like myself special regular folks (laughs) (laughs) i'm curious like what is probably the biggest misconception that you think wealth management advisor just like financial advisor have or people have with regard to what you do because i know as an accountant i feel like the biggest misconception is everyone assumes we do taxes it's like not all accountants do taxes (laughs) so i'm just, just curious there like what is the biggest misconception that people have when it comes to working with an advisor, what it is you guys do? Probably the biggest uh, thing that jumps out at me when you say that is that most people will say, well, I don't need one now because I don't have any money. Whether that's the entertainer, the athlete, or as you refer to the regular person, that's probably the, the biggest misconception. You can never plan too soon. Um, a lot of people think that, well, when I, when I get some money, then I'll get an advisor. The problem with that is, If you don't work with someone before you have it, when you get it, you won't trust anybody, whatever amount it is. And if you can have someone that kind of grows with you through the process, it makes it a lot smoother in the, in the process of what does this mean? How does this work? Where do we go? Uh, Those types of things. Probably a secondary misconception to that is I can do it myself. And I kind of go, okay, well, you've, been in your own body your entire life. I mean, nobody outside of your mother knows your body like you do, right? They go, yeah. So if you get a headache, do you go to a doctor? They go, no. And I say, why? Because you could probably figure that out yourself. You don't go to a financial advisor if you need to go get money out of the ATM. But if you, if you break your arm, where do you go? You say, I go to a doctor. You say, oh, really? Why is that? Because they're professional and they know what they're doing. It's the same thing with a money person, with a financial advisor. And financial advice is probably a big, broad misconception term as well, because a lot of people just think that I have a lot of money to have one. In your line of work, do you see a disparity when you look at the, the types of individuals that come to advisors? When I got into the wealth management industry, uh, obviously being an African-American male and having um, a passion for wanting to help African-Americans because um, just traditionally, historically, not a lot of African-Americans in this, uh, or people of color have had financial advisors. Well, There was someone who told me, they said, if you're in this business to help African-Americans, you're going to go broke. Um, Because historically, just kind of from a United States standpoint, 
that's where the money has been. I mean, it's not a racial comment, it's just a historical fact. And so it's more talked about in those norms and those homes. Now, don't get me wrong, it's starting to change a little bit. It's a lot more education on that side of the street. When you don't know what you don't know, that makes it a little difficult. And as the, as the income gap has closed in certain areas, as you see more affluent African-Americans get to areas of town where they weren't you know, welcomed or used to be, more Asian-Americans, more uh, Latino-Americans, it's starting to close that gap and they are starting to see like, oh, money's still green. It's not black, it's not white, it's not brown, it's green. And so how can we do the proper thing that get us to the next level? And that's a lot about what I'm about as an advisor. I'm all about where do we go next? I mean, my company's slogan is from success to significance. So it's not just about getting out of debt, it's about where are we trying to go and how do we get there? And because I bring such a hopefully well-rounded aspect to the table, I can help people in just about every area of moving forward. So your slogan or just even the model you've essentially molded for yourself and your company, which is success to significance. Tell me a little more about that because I'm curious because I actually looked up those words and I was like, okay, success. The definition is the attainment of popularity or profit. And then significance, the quality of being worthy of attention or importance. How does one go from success to significance? And essentially, what is this wealth model that you've kind of built around that? So success, to your point, and reading out the definitions there, success is what we kind of all strive to get to. And that's varying different levels of, is that monetary, is that fame, is that stature, is that whatever it is. That's all fine and dandy. Well, I don't think anybody needs me to get to their level of success because a lot of different things go into success. My thing is like, okay, now that you've gotten to where you think you want to be, what are you going to leave behind? And that's a different mindset. That's like, oh, what, what crumbs, what trails are you going to leave behind to the next person? What are you going to leave to your children? What are you going to leave to your grandchildren? What do you want to leave to your family as you move forward and be known for? Because we come and we go and we all now, even today, we're reading the history books. And we're reading the history books from people who left a mark. So this comes into what I call legacy planning of, you know, financial, legal, real estate, all these things that come together to have you significant in what your worth is. Because you don't just want to show up on this planet and check away. Uh, I heard this at a, a, at a eulogy once and they said, it's the dash. What does your dash mean? Because we have a start date, a sunrise and a sunset. But that dash is very important. And there's a whole lot inside that dash. So you have your median income family. How does that individual go from this current established place of success to a point of significance to be able to leave something back for their children and potentially their children's children? Because, I, I mean, we're not all going to be professional athletes making millions of dollars, but you can still reach a point of success and still be at around the, the median income range and leave a legacy. It's when you ask that because it's actually built on another simple basis, whether you have money or don't have money. It's what I call BSI, budget, save, invest. And in working that backwards, you can invest if you haven't saved. And you can't save unless you have a budget. And so we got to start from the very, very simple roots of budget first, because people think budget is a bad word. Budget is not, not about what you can't do. A budget is about what you can do. And that's the way I like to look at it is, okay, well, budget so that we can do this. 
and we'll budget so that we can do that. And just come back to that simpleness of moving to the, to the next level. Now, again, also every person's goals are different. So not everybody has the same way of getting there. Uh, an analogy I'll put on that is there are a lot of different car makes and models out there. There's the BMW, Mercedes, Ford, you know, Tesla, all these different kinds that can get you from point A to point B. It's just how do you want to get there? And knowing that we've got a lot of different things to pull from is where I like to help someone build their plan to move to the next level. I love that you talked about a budget. That's something that I harp on because I feel like part of knowing where you're going is to realize exactly where you are at this point in time. So it's like, okay, what am I actually spending? What am I actually making? Like to understand where I am and then use that to identify and project like where it is I'm trying to be. If I continue at this current rate, will I reach that goal or do I need to make some lifestyle changes? I want to follow up on my previous comment and and what you just said there is, Another CPA that I work with, we kind of noticed something when it comes to, and we'll call it black and white mentality of, of investing and moving to the next level. What we noticed is that African-Americans typically tend to save and invest for retirement, where we've noticed that Anglo or Caucasians typically invest or save for the future. And that's two distinctly different mindsets because it's like the African-American has worked hard historically, just to be able to get to a spot where they can go, whew, okay, I'm over, I'm done, and that's it, and just have enough to live off of for the remainder of their life. Where the Anglo or Caucasian mindset, you know, generalizing here, has been more of, well, what can I leave to the next person? How can I leave something behind? How can I attain more to grow more to keep moving forward in the future? And that I, I picked up on later in my career and I've, I've noticed that just historically there are some things that I think are culturally embedded in just about every culture whether it's white, Latino, Asian, um, Native American that we all have these little predefined stereotypes that we have been defined by, lived by historically. In order to break those molds we have to be around different types of individuals to help us see that there's a different way or a better way saving for retirement versus saving for the future so how do you get one to kind of shift from one mindset to to the other because in both aspects like you said you're saving in both aspects and likely investing as well because when you're saving for retirement you're likely investing in 401ks or different things of that nature so what what i guess is the biggest distinction to shift from just saving for retirement to saving for future generations. Back to what you said, it's again, education, uh, education and mindset. Once you are exposed to more, you see more, you understand more, and you're intuitively asking questions to grow, then it just helps you kind of see a different light. It's really no simpler than that. And so until people kind of venture outside their comfort zones, do they learn on both sides of the fence? Until wealthy goes down to low income and low income goes to high income, can you get out of those cycles and, and you can better understand people? Instead of just saving for retirement, again, where I'm assuming one is investing in a 401k, are there other things like maybe real estate investing, other forms of like passive income or diversifying one's portfolio to where it's not, I'm only investing in my 401k and I'm not doing any other outside investing? Great question. So being a real estate broker, 
and being a financial advisor, I've seen this on both sides of the fence and, and realize here is that you actually need both and you have to educate yourself in both. Understanding the language, everyone wants to flip houses. I get the real estate aspect of doing it because people, real estate is tangible. You can see it, you can touch it, you can feel it. And that there's something about that that makes a person feel good. Then you get into the aspect of financial advising. I mean, it seems slow and boring because they're not overly involved. If you have someone else managing it and the money's growing at 6% a year and they're like, well, that just feels like it's moving too slow. Well, the average real estate property that's non-income producing only grows at about 2%, 3% a year. And that people appreciate, excuse me, at two to 3% a year. And so people don't really see how much effort and energy and work really has to go into buying real estate property for income purposes, as opposed to putting your money aside, investing in 401ks and doing some other simple things that grow over time as well. But, but you, you need both. I'm not gonna sit here and lie and tell someone that you can just do it one way or the other. You can, but being diversified is being in both arenas. So still thinking about the, the regular household. We built a budget. Like what DNR points you would give us as far as saving? Like, is there a certain percentage we need to be focused on saving? Is there certain vehicles at which we should be saving? Should we be trying to put more money into high-yield savings accounts or saving from the standpoint of first build your emergency fund with three to six months? Like, what, what I guess is some specifics around saving once you kind of build your budget and on to that next step? Once you build your budget, it's just, just, it comes back to defining your goals and whatever your goals are will help you decide what you need to save. So I think it's really simply that. Um, and each person, again, is uniquely different in what they're trying to save for, what they want to go for. That can even get into other investments such as, like we said, real estate, saving for college, saving for weddings, saving for secondary education, putting 529 plans in place. All those kind of things come as intermediate steps to get to the investing portion. Based on what we said earlier before is, if you don't have the person involved in the beginning, the advisor, you're now trying to find a jump on spot and it may not be the right jump on spot. Um, you can't articulate necessarily when the jump on spot is. So having that person involved early when you don't have much allows it to be better planned when the time is right to say, you know what, I think you're good now. I think you're okay. You know, what, what are you trying to do next? And having that person really pulling that information out is, is what helps. I say that kind of to the listeners to kind of realize, oh, aha, that is what the problem is. I'm try they're trying to do it at certain spots when you can't time the spots. You just have to be in the right place at the right time. If you ever heard the saying, Luck is when opportunity meets preparation. And so if you're planning the whole time when the opportunity presents itself, then you can jump on. Okay, so what would you say is probably the most opportune time then to, to seek someone as yourself, to, to seek an advisor? It doesn't hurt to at least talk with someone early in the process. As managing principal of 44 Management, we can bring on who we need to bring on. And sometimes that's some goodwill in helping people start from scratch. Because the way I look at it is somebody who the, the person who might need the most help is the one who's going to be the most blessed later on. And you want to be with them in the early stages, not just jump on later. I'm going to ask you to do this. And I wish the listeners could see this. 
but if the listeners could hold their hand up in front of their face and open palm with the thumb high and the pinky on the bottom. So the palm is looking, you're looking at their hand that way. If they say you're the average of the five people around you, I'm asking you, Ms. Orr, Ms. Orr, what, what finger would be the average finger on the hand? The middle. The middle finger, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you're the average of the five people around you, it looks like you'd be the middle finger. Well, in those five people, if you're, the, if you're in that group of five, which would you want to be? The top, which is the thumb, the middle finger, which is the middle, or the pinky, which is the bottom? In your group of five people, what would you want to be? And I'm asking the listeners this too. Think about this for a second, but I'll ask you to go ahead and answer. The thumb. You want to be the thumb? Anybody who says they want to be the thumb, I think is incorrect. Mm. Because if you are the thumb, you are the lead dog and the top person in your group of five, and you are constantly bringing the other four people along with you. If you are the pinky in your group of five, they will pull you up. And once you get to be the thumb, you need to go find a new five. And that's for the person who wants to grow. So if you're looking to grow from success to significance, that's how you get there is your group is going to change. There's an old funny song. Uh, it wasn't the greatest song, but it makes a lot of sense by Deion Sanders. He said, must be the money. He said, I'm not going to change, but my zip code is going to change. My bank account is going to change. <laughs> my area code is going to change. And there's some truth to that. If you really peel back the layers is that as you change, people around you will change. And as you become more educated, you'll see things a little more differently. And I think that's a positive thing that we can all, you know, use and grow from. Your network is your net worth. That's very true. Birds of a feather flock together, right? I was in Phoenix, Arizona, living out there when uh, the late uh, Bishop Thomas, he said, um, you can't get rich hanging around a bunch of broke folks. And I was like, that's true. <laughs> My dad used to say something. You cannot make $10 an hour and think that you are going to ever make a million dollars a year. It just, it's not going to happen. So how do you get there? It takes time. It's not something that's rushed overnight. I think you see I'm a big analogy person. There's another movie called Formula 51 with Samuel L. Jackson. The guy says to him, you know, hey man, stuff happens. But he doesn't say stuff, but he says stuff happens. And Samuel L. Jackson's character says, no, stuff don't just happen, it takes time. You know what? That's very true. Success and failure don't just happen. They take time to happen. Why did they call it 409? The cleaning agent called 409? Because it took 409 different iterations before they came up with the right formula. And sometimes failure, sometimes knowing what not to do is just as important as knowing what to do. And when people can kind of get out of their own way and realize, hey, you know what? It's a little bumpy. You might fail a little bit. That's when we learn. That's when we learn the most. So if we can jump into something as people, as individuals, jump into our finances, jump into uh, learning a little bit more about how it, what it means to grow money, then I think we can all move somewhere and grow. When you hear the term welfare, what does the average person think of? And I'll ask you, Mrs. Orr, when you hear the term welfare, what do you think of? What comes to mind? Government assistance on the poor side, mm -hmm. on the low income side, correct? Yeah. Okay. This, I, I think that, I mean, that's what I think. Well, there's also what we call welfare, government assistance, on the wealthy side. And people look at me and go, what do you mean by that? I said, they call that tax code. <laughs> <laughs> and that is government assistance with people who have money 
to help them reduce taxes in order to pay less and move forward, right? Mm -hmm. So government assistance is on both sides of the fence. You just have to know how, which one you're trying to work on. And we do that very well over here with tax strategies, asset protection, and we work with a lot of tax professionals who we've seen, wow, that was very good. I have one client, we uh, helped the client get his taxes done and really greatly reduced his tax liability tremendously. Well, it reduced his tax liability so much that it reduced it 20% year over year. Well, he was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Another good point that you bring up, like having tax professional and advisor, someone who understands. And I do admit, I mean, that's how we set ourselves apart from the competition. Uh, being a real estate broker, understanding tax principles as a credit wealth management advisor, having a law degree, understanding insurance, uh, you know, life insurance, how that fits in. It's just a big, well-rounded pot of, okay, what do you need? We get a lot of people that come to the firm saying, you guys are just kind of like a one-stop shop. You, you help me answer the questions and help me put the puzzle together to figure out where I need to go. What is something that you think everyone listening should know with regard to being better stewards of their finances and but just wealth management, financial management? I had the opportunity to go sit and meet with a very wealthy gentleman. The guy had a Bentley, a Rolls Royce out front, very wealthy. Come to find out this guy was 25 years old. He started a bank. He had a little help. Don't get me wrong. His dad was a heart surgeon, but he started a bank. And we were talking and I asked that question very similar to what you asked me. I said, okay, what advice would you give a young man like me? You know, how to make it? What, you know, what's the secret sauce of how to get there? And he kind of paused and he leaned back in his chair a little bit. And I'm sitting there with my little notepad and pen and I'm ready to write down that note because, you know, I'm, I'm going I'm to get the secret sauce. I'm going to be like this guy. Okay. And he looked at me and he said, just don't live outside your means. I said in my head, I knew that before I asked you the question. Give me something more. But I think about that for a minute. What he was saying was, if you make a dollar, you can spend 99 cents and you will be just fine. You can spend a dollar and you'll never get ahead. But you cannot spend a dollar and one penny and ever think that you're going to get ahead. That was very introspective because it was kind of a lesson about credit and people saying that they're going to pay stuff back and do things of that nature. You can leverage credit. There are ways to leverage credit, but to be in consumer debt credit is just not a very fun place to be. So I say to people, to answer your question, it's never too early to plan. It's never too early to get started saving and it's never too early to invest. So which kind of goes back to never too early to budget, never too early to save, never too early to invest, BSI. Because I'm actually a federally appointed United States chapter seven bankruptcy trustee. So I see a lot of people file for bankruptcy and I see their schedules and I'm reading all their debts, consumer debt and medical bills. Two things I see the most, yet typically the biggest debt I see is usually on IRS. So you have to pay your taxes, don't use credit cards for consumer debt and medical bills, insurance is a big real thing. So preventative maintenance, taking care of your body, not waiting to the end is something that I definitely promote. Through the grace of God, I got myself in a position that recently become a minority sports owner of a sports franchise. And I tell that story because I want people to not rest on thinking that they've made it and that 
they're okay and that they can just stop right there. Pastor, this past Sunday, he preached on growth. What he was really saying in one of his parts of the sermon is he said, when he was younger and he didn't have anything, he was willing to risk it all to get somewhere. And the average person sometimes will get to a spot where they think that they've made it. And because they think they've made it, they stop pushing forward to get to where they need to go. For all that are listening, and I say to myself constantly, don't stop moving forward. Keep putting it all on the line and risking it so you can grow yourself to somewhere you've never been. Success to significance, absolutely. It has been an honor and a pleasure. Would love to come back anytime as a follow-up. If anyone wants to reach out, um, you can reach us at 44mgmt.com, 44management. Um, give us a call, 469-438-5883, or you can shoot us an email, rodd at 44mgmt.com, as well as social media, 44 Management on Twitter, 44 Management on Instagram. Definitely want to thank you for taking the time out again and joining me. Till next time, be blessed.